Chapter 26. After a long search, Colt and Jeff finally found a door, but it was locked. It would have to be kicked in, but this was difficult to do because it was at the top of a steep flight of concrete stairs. It was impossible to get a running start at. Even harder was finding enough footing on the narrow top step to ram it with a shoulder. Colt was resting after three consecutive attempts to break it down. He sat with his head between his knees, spitting up onto the stairs, covered in sweat and piss. Two steps above him, Jeff had removed his jacket and tossed it at his feet. His white t-shirt was soaked with blood and stained red all the way to the tips of his sleeves. His wounds sputtered like a squeeze bottle of ketchup every time he took a breath. Colt watched Jeff punch at the door and pull at the knob. He wondered just how much blood a person had in them. It seemed like Jeff should have been empty by now. The doorknob wouldn't budge. It was fixed, solid in place. A single light bulb dangled above them, and there was a switch on the wall that turned it off and on like the entrance to a basement. They were apparently locked in. What happened to the knife, Colt asked, wiping his eyes. Where did you leave it? I can try and run back and get it. I gave it to some kid, Jeff said, staring at the door. A kid, Colt asked? A child lives here? A few of them, I guess. I ran into a few earlier. Why did you give him the knife? It sounded like he needed it more than I did. Well, where's your gun? Colt asked, nodding up at Jeff's pants. I must have dropped it, Jeff said. I passed out in the bathroom, and when I woke up, it was gone. Where's yours? I gave it to Becca, Colt muttered. Smart move, Jeff said, yanking at the doorknob. I don't think that door is going to open. Yeah, me neither. But if I pull at this knob enough, we can at least teach it a lesson. Jeff struck the door with a fist, but gave up and sat down next to Colt. The walls were so close that their shoulders had to fight for room. Jeff unfolded his jacket and dug in its pockets. Colt did the same with his belt, dropping its contents onto the steps below them and looking for anything small and pointed. At first, they didn't notice the sound of the engine as it pulled into the yard and around the house. But within a few seconds, it roared to a halt just on the other side of the door. Then it idled for a moment and decayed with a cough. Jeff and Colt both turned and watched as footsteps approached and a shadow slid beneath the door. The lock retracted effortlessly. Then the door came open with a light squeak. An old man stood there with the doorknob in one hand and a cane in the other. He was so old that time had removed all the color from his skin. He shook lightly at his joints as if he were held together with strings. He had a brown driving cap propped up on his head and dove white hairs sticking out from under it. His eyes were masked in a pair of those enormous sunglasses found on pharmacy counters the kind meant to cover already existing prescription glasses. They made him look blind, a futuristic, virtual reality kind of blind. The old man clattered his dentures and sucked on a lozenge. 
A brown windbreaker billowed over his skeletal frame, and his khakis were hiked up to his ribs. His cuffs hovered a great distance above brown saddle shoes, and his socks were pink. He looked cut directly from a dusty, fading photograph hanging in a country club hallway somewhere. One of those pictures they put outside the bathrooms to remind members of a time when golf was still being crafted. This man was so old that he may have actually been around at that time and had his photo taken. He stared down at Jeff and Colt, but gave them no expression. His fingertips fidgeted atop his cane. Colt and Jeff hadn't risen from the steps and were looking up at him from over their colliding shoulders. There were trees in the distance behind him and the light sound of wind chimes. Jeff turned away and put his jacket back on. He zipped it up to his neck and ran a hand through his hair as he rose to his feet. Colt started to reattach his belt, but realized it was mostly empty and dropped it aside, tucking his flashlight into his pocket and climbing to his feet as well. The man held up his cane to stop them and poked Colt in the chest with it. You're the cop then, he said. Too bad. Too bad. Then he poked the cane at Jeff. And you're that green one, I bet. Too bad as well. Jeff stepped out from the door, and the man backed up a few steps. They were in a garage. Behind the man was a golden Mercury Grand Marquis as brand new as the day it rolled out of the factory doors. Jeff backed the man up against his car and grabbed him by the arm. What the fuck is that supposed to mean, he asked. The old man put a hand up and pushed Jeff off of him. Those were your motorcycles is all I was saying, and it is too bad. He turned his head and nodded at Colt. What kind of dumbass parks a police unit outside a highway whorehouse? He chewed his lozenge and smirked at Colt's badge. Then he struck Jeff firmly in the chest, shushing him back a few steps. And what kind of dumbass parks his bike next to a police unit parked outside of a highway whorehouse? Jeff zipped up his sleeves and spat onto the ground. The old man shook his head at both of them and dug in his pants pocket. I ain't gonna sugarcoat shit for you two, he said. The Razor boys fucked your wheels and fucked them good. Those boys took a couple of grinder saws to the cop one. Ain't much of it left besides dust and sparks. Took a torque wrench to it too. Got all the good parts before they cut the rest up. They used the gas line to burn the rest of it. It didn't really burn, but it made it black as hell. Looks like an old pile of dog shit now. Too bad. That one had nice tires. They'll get good money for those tires. That green Yamaha got it harder, though. She went down under some big, heavy hammers. A couple of axes, too. Nothing mechanical about it. They just broke her apart like she was made of glass, stomping on her and shit, kicking at her and spitting on her. Both its wheels are still out there, bent as a railroad penny. Sad to look at. Those vandals ought to be shot for how they gave it to that green bike. 
I've never seen such a display of disrespect for another man's motor vehicle. They were smiling the whole time, too. When the first axe took it down, I swore I heard the thing scream out in pain. Sounded just like a woman crying. Till it was muffled by the wet dirt and broken into pieces. Then it only shined like tear-filled eyes looking up at the moon. That was just before the fire, before they sprayed them both down with the cop's gas line and burned them. Too bad is all I can say. By this time, Jeff and Colt had stepped out of the garage and were staring down at the smoking remains of both of their motorcycles while the old man's words carried from behind them like a reluctant eulogy. Colt shook his head. Jeff closed his eyes. They stood beneath the stars, feeling just as lost as they had inside the strange house. Jeff lit a cigarette and blew a long stream of smoke into the air, tossing his match down into the remains of his bike. I guess this is the end, he said, staring up into the sky. I should have seen this coming. It's my fault for bringing us here. I've only ever dropped her off. I thought this was a farm or something. Shows what I know. Colt spat and looked away. I didn't give a shit about my bike, he said. But I really needed to find Denise. They shared an unfriendly glance. Colt looked down the driveway, thinking of how long of a walk it would be to anywhere. Then he realized there was nowhere he wanted to go. Jeff tossed his cigarette into the pile of twisted metal. Let's get the fuck out of here, he said. How? Colt asked. We still don't even know where Vaughn lives. The old man spoke up, walking over to them and poking his cane around in the remains. You boys are looking for Vaughn? I know Vaughn. Jeff stomped out a few flames and looked at the old man sideways. How the fuck do you know Vaughn? The old man turned back toward the garage. He's my drug dealer, he said. How the hell else does anybody know Vaughn? Colt pulled out his flashlight, turning it in his hands and testing its button. Do you know where he lives, he asked. Yeah, the old man said with a nod. I was there a minute ago getting my shit. What shit, Jeff asked. My shit, the old man grunted. Drugs. Ever heard of them? All kinds. I'm on a bunch of them right now. I was hoping to go inside and get my dick wet before they wear off. So if you two don't mind, I think I'll leave you here to dry off. Sorry about your wheels. Take it up with the Razor Boys. I'm sure they're over at Vaughn's too. A couple of them were around when I was there. Those fucking turkeys put their oily hands all over my Grand Marquis. Lucky I didn't run their fucking asses over. Turkeys. His voice trailed off as he walked back into the garage. Colt and Jeff had to run to keep up with him and made it just in time to stop him from entering the basement steps. They blocked the doorway with their knees and shoulders. The old man shoved at them and swung his cane. Listen, buddy, Jeff said, grabbing at the cane. What's your name? The old man stopped swatting at Colt and pulled off his sunglasses. His eyes were pale as a ghost and looked in no direction at all. My name's Frank, he said. Well, listen, Frank, we're going to need you to tell us where Vaughn lives 
and we're gonna need you to loan us your car. Or what, Frank asked, somewhat entertained. Or we're gonna just take it, Jeff said. But if you loan it to us, it'd be a lot easier. Fuck you. This isn't an argument, Frank. Vaughn's a dead man, and you will be too if you don't loan us that car and tell us where he lives. I'm not afraid of you, Frank laughed, poking Jeff with his cane. You're half dead yourself, and your partner here lost his gun and control of his bowels from the looks of his pants. I don't owe you two shit. Now fuck off and leave me alone. I got a girl in there waiting for me. Colt grabbed him by the arm. Mr. Frank, I'm an officer of the law, and we're going to need to commandeer your vehicle. Now hand over the keys. You look like you don't have much law left in you, Frank said. Fuck the law. Jeff unzipped his breast pocket and pulled out the folded pile of dollar bills he'd stolen earlier. Colt took the hint and pulled out his wallet and gave Jeff all the cash he had. Jeff counted it. Frank's marble eyes twitched as they counted it, too. Eighty-four dollars, Jeff said, holding out the cash. We got eighty-four dollars here. We've been through enough tonight, and we don't want to have to kill you. So we'll pay you instead. Here's eighty-four bucks if you tell us where Vaughn is and loan us the car. I'm not normally so generous, Frank. Please. Colt was surprised by Jeff's desperate tone. Then he remembered the comment he'd made earlier about Denise wanting to leave with him instead, and frowned at the thought of what he'd just paid for. Frank put his sunglasses back on and grabbed at the cash, folding it neatly into his wallet while his cane dangled from his elbow. He spoke to the floor and acknowledged neither of them. I'm driving, he said. No way in hell am I loaning you the Grand Marquis. I'll drive you there. That's the deal. Got it. If they had nodded, he wouldn't have noticed. Once his wallet was back in his pants pocket, Frank took to his cane and walked back to the car, unlocking it with a remote from his keychain that he aimed at the door as if it were a television. Then he pulled it open and slid inside, throwing his cane into the back seat. He started the engine, flipped on the lights, and rolled down his window. Grab a towel off that shelf, he said, nodding at Jeff. I don't want your blood in here. Colt climbed into the passenger's side. The seat was one of the widest he'd ever sat in. Jeff dove headfirst into the back, spreading the towel beneath him and propping himself up on an elbow. He was amazed at the amount of legroom. He'd never been in a car this nice before. Frank backed out into the yard and rolled down the driveway at an idle. When they reached the highway, he looked both ways before taking a wide right turn.